The Viking Spring program is just about wrapped up, and so now we know pretty much all we're gonna know about the depth chart, and particularly where Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion are, until the start of actual training camp. So I brought in Sam Ekstrom, who was on the sideline, to help me make sense of it all. Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Vikings listeners get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use promo code Locked On at checkout. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Let's jump right into it. So OTAs were over. Sam Ekstrom was there in the press scrums on the sidelines watching practice, and he's got a lot to share with us. Um, Sam Ekstrom produces Locked On Minnesota Sports, like the Ron Johnson show um, and everything else that they're doing uh, elsewhere in Locked On to cover Minnesota sports as like a whole. So go check all those things out. And if you need a preview, here is Sam Ekstrom. All right, everybody moving on here with the Locked On Vikings podcast, and I'm here with Sam Ekstrom, uh, you might say friend of the show, uh, <laughs> member of Locked On Minnesota Sports, which is going great over there, love what you guys are doing over there, and you've been at OTAs, so yeah, let's talk about it. Tell me, like, what's the one, th- the headline, if you had to, like, in one tweet, this is the thing you got to know about what happened at OTAs, what is it? Yeah, it's a great question because there's a lot of very small like subheadings. I would say, I wouldn't say there's one like major bullet. There wasn't a major injury that happened. There wasn't a major Mm -hmm. signing that happened during that period, unless you want to consider Kenny Willekes, you know, major injury. Um, I I think it's, you know, just Kevin O'Connell trying to, to create cohesiveness, trying to Mm -hmm. bring a different voice to this offense. I mean, honestly, like the, all the discussion from these sessions is about, okay, how is the defense adjusting to this new scheme? How's the offense adjusting to this new scheme? And it's all good. Like all the feedback is good. Um, You hear about how guys' heads are spinning, how they're, you know, working hard, doing flashcards, trying to learn the offensive plays, how they're trying to figure out the disguises they're supposed to run with that Donatel's defense. Um, And obviously at this stage of the game, everybody's pretty psyched about it. They're juiced up. They're, they're excited for something new. So we're very much in the honeymoon phase of the O'Connell quasi era. Um, Haven't encountered it real adversity yet. Um, So, and it's hard not to sort of convince yourself that this team is going to be better than last year, just because you assume that well, shuffling the deck on defense is going to, you know, elicit a better result. You've got a fresh voice. Uh, you've got maybe an offensive mind that is going to tr- try to push for top five offensive production instead of being okay with like top 10, top 12. Um, so I would say that there's, there's great optimism and I wouldn't say that there's exactly like a major bullet to, to write on the bulletin board. And, and also they've kept these OTAs even more vanilla that I was used to in the Zimmer era where there'd be occasionally a very entertaining session. It would get lively, especially in the heyday, like 17, 18, when that defense was full of really good veterans. Uh, there'd be some spirited practices 
not the case in in uh, in in this 2021 or 2022, sorry, season where they really kept it to a walkthrough pace with a very limited 11 on 11. So not not as many, you know, highlight reel plays or trash talk or anything like that. It kind of the vibe reminds me of back when when I was in high school and I did some theater and it would like the first like week or two of rehearsals when everybody didn't really know the script and everybody didn't really know, but they were all kind of learning it together and you go, Oh shoot, what's my line here? And then somebody who's a little bit like knows it and you're helping each other. And it's like, however far along you are is okay. As long as everyone's trying to get better together. And then you get the camaraderie through that, that it seems like a really similar vibe where everybody talks about in all of the pressers, at least how we're all like learning and there's new terminology and we're just kind of trying to get caught up with everything. And that's part of just the transition of a new coach. So you'll only ever be able to like glean so much, I guess, but let's glean what we can at least Mm -hmm. with um, the depth chart, because there are genuine questions that we've had answers to, especially like along the offensive line. Um, So what did you see? The big one's right guard. What did you see at right guard throughout OTAs and what you've been able to see so far at minicamp? Yeah, it was it was a similar approach to the way that the old regime handled it, which was you give the number one reps to sort of the established veteran out of the gate, and then mm-hmm. you wait to see if the young guys can usurp them in training camp. It's always how they roll. Right. So Seems to be about fo- normal. Yeah, I, I don't think that's decided. that's unique to the Vikings. Uh, so Jesse mm-hmm. Davis is getting those snaps. I think it's interesting that that Oliudo has all but been buried. He's not going to be the right guard this year. I'd be stunned if he made a, a second surge in training camp mm-hmm. and, and and won that job. Because is he Chris not playing Reed, tackle? Um, no, yeah, he's. I feel like he's becoming the Rashad Hill. He's going to be the swing. Yeah, um, yeah. so that, that, that decision, I think, has been made official. And we haven't seen really, you know, head nor tail of Wyatt Davis getting, you know, snaps with really the ones or very much the twos either. It was uh, Jesse Davis primarily with the ones. A sprinkling of Chris Reed with the ones at right guard. Um, a, a little bit of a look uh, of Chris Reed with the second team center yesterday. And that might have been because of Schlotman missing time. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the veterans getting preference. And then a little bit of Ed Ingram with the second team at right guard yesterday as well. So um, it seems like those two veterans are getting early preference. But they like Ed Ingram, who's a complicated figure to talk about because of his of background. Course. Um, but I would say he's potentially the primary challenger just based on the early indications. Uh, if it's not going to be Udo or Davis, it feels like it's probably going to be Ingram to uh, potentially take down Davis at the top. Let, let's move to uh, some skinnier guys. Let's talk about the quarterbacks because um, it, you can only tell so much about Kirk Cousins, and I, we've all seen all we need to see of Kirk Cousins to know how we feel about him. I don't think you're going to get much new information from walkthroughs, but um, behind him, what's going on at QB two is Kellen Mond genuinely competing with Sean Mannion. Now, is this going to be like a real, cause it wasn't a real camp competition last year. Kellen Mond was very clearly not ready to take any sort of meaningful role, even as a backup. Are we to that point now where we can actually say, okay, is Kellen Mond actually better than Sean Mannion? And we're no longer in the incubator. You know, I think Mannion's outperformed Mond in practices. I thought yesterday was a actually a pretty good Mannion day, ran a very mm. zippy two-minute drill. He was good in seven-on-sevens. I didn't think Mond was particularly sharp, but I don't want to draw too many meaningful conclusions from that. But I seven still feel seven, like yeah. I yeah, I feel like this staff prefers Mannion at this point. And it's another example of giving the veteran preference. I think that that makes sense. Um 
but I haven't seen a ton from, from Mon to indicate that he's improved drastically. The thing is, is we've seen Mannion in actual games struggle and fail to be anything more than a game manager. You still get the sense that Mond might have a little more upside and give you that chance just with his athleticism um, to come in and get something done and, and maybe win you a game if Kirk Cousins gets hurt for the first time ever. Um, but Sean Mannion in a practice setting still looks more collected and composed to me. And that arm strength that they love to boast about seems to manifest itself more in these settings too. Um, like he had a really strong throw to the sideline to Jalen Naylor yesterday, which was pretty impressive and drew some oohs and ahs. Um, mm. So I like what I've seen from Mannion. Stanley has been dealing with something ambiguous because he doesn't visibly look injured, but he hasn't been doing anything. He's been wearing a baseball cap. So nothing from mm. him. And uh, and I guess I'd be surprised if he was even a conversation piece you know, at, any, yeah. at any point in this preseason. Yeah, I remember the last regime would always have a fourth quarterback in the building that would basically be the handoff guy for the running back drills while the quarterbacks actually did it. And then that guy never had, he would never even play in it. I think that's going to be Stanley, but I don't know it with, with Mond, I can't get over. I mean, he, we did see him play. It was only three snaps, but one of those snaps he threw, he misread slant flat and almost threw a pick six, like a first time Madden player. And it's very clear that like, okay, can you trust him? You know, the ability is one thing, but I want to say, was it Chris Rumpf or was it, Somebody said in a, in a press scrum um, on Tuesday, you know, it's not, it's about, can you trust them? Can you trust that you're going to put them on the field and they're going to do what they're instructed to do and they're not going to mess it up? And that's like the very first level of things. And you can be Superman, but if Superman runs the wrong route or if Superman reads the play wrong, it's still an interception. And that's where I guess it is. I, I, I want to go into a whole bunch more. We, gotta, we haven't even touched the defense yet. I want to talk about some defensive stuff, whatever you can talk about with the defense. Um, so stick around, Sam. Back with Sam in just a second. But first, let me talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, which is Blue Nile. Blue Nile is an online jeweler that lets you customize jewelry from the comfort of your own home. You don't want to just buy a ring on Amazon. You want to make it perfect for that special someone. Make it exactly what they dream of, whether it's an engagement ring or an anniversary or birthday gift or something that is just nice for no reason because there's no rule against doing that too. Go to BlueNile.com. Very importantly, to me at least, Blue Nile is very focused on making sure that they are getting their diamonds ethically. They adhere to the Kimberly process, which is sort of the universally accepted process for making sure that you're not buying conflict diamonds or blood diamonds or something like that. You're not supporting the darker parts of that industry. So whatever you're looking for, make your moment sparkle. With jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Vikings listeners, get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so use code LOCKEDON. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word. Plus, every order is insured, it ships free, and it arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Before we get back into it with Sam, real quick, go check out the Locked On Listener Survey. It's at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. It is a survey we are doing of all of our listeners to figure out what you like about our shows, what you don't like about our shows. Let us know how we can be better and help weigh in on, uh, chime in on, on some of the ideas that we have to improve things. That is at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. And if you finish it, you get entered to win one of 10 Ticketmaster gift cards worth $100 each. So, just go to the survey and enter to win a gift card and let us know what we're doing. Thank you so much for your help. Now, here's Sam. All right, moving right along. We still got Sam Ekstrom here talking about what you saw at OTAs. So I want to keep picking your brain about some stuff. And um, 
let's stick to the offense for a little bit. So it sounds like with Amir Smith-Marset's in a boot and KJ Osborne's dealing with something too. So there's some room on the depth chart and it seems like BC Johnson's been the one to get the kind of first team opportunities that have opened up with those injuries. Yeah, Johnson, he's got that sleeve on his leg. And remember, he's still coming off a, a pretty serious injury of his own. Yeah. But he was full go yesterday and did some good things in the limited action that we got to see from these guys. There was one point, uh, it was actually the rep where Adam Thielen had the epic one-handed catch that I don't think ever made it online. I think the Vikings didn't get video of it because uh, mm. they were too busy with mic'd up cousins. But there was a great one-handed <laughs> Thielen catch last week and it was notable not only for that catch but because tristan jackson was getting for a first team run on that rep and i think that oh, tristan weird. jackson is still like wide receiver nine i still think that sure you know well, they just I, do that though they'll just like throw him in be like yeah let's put him into the one see what he's got yeah yeah and but also i think blake prohl is above him he's hurt you know ism hurt osborne hurt so like there's a clear hierarchy above him that is out so it makes sense to throw give someone you know throw him a bone he had a good day at in the film room or whatever um you know put him in there for a first team rep then Thielen is the star um but you're asking about bc johnson that's a pretty interesting character to me because i think the receiver room is filling up pretty fast honestly i mean you've got the, the obvious three and Thielen, jefferson osborne i think amir smith marset has to make it i think jalen naylor is probably better than 50-50 to make it just based on, you know, it's a new regime. They want to give their draft picks a look. He's a six-round pick. I would think that he has a chance as long as he can play basic special teams to make this roster. Um, and then you're down to number six, and and unless they're keeping seven, that's the final spot. Mm -hmm. And, do, you know, does BC Johnson deserve that spot in the last year of his contract off injury versus someone who has, you know, more time under team control? I think you have to weigh all of those options. Um, you know, remember Johnson got usurped by Justin Jefferson and we really never heard from him again. And then he got hurt. So it's been almost two years. Well, he was a third guy that year though, right? He, he, he came but, in when Thielen got hurt that year. Yeah. But he, the only time he did anything, Luke was that Carolina game when, when Thielen had COVID, that's the one time when he really showed out. And I was pretty, I was kind of the pessimist on BC Johnson coming off his rookie year where everyone applauded, you know, the valiant effort that he had, you know, in place of Thielen when he was hurt. But Honestly, if you look at the analytics of the of those like six seven games, it really wasn't that impressive. Uh, yards, yeah, per it was. He was, was just a guy. But we're talking yeah. rosterable here, you know. We're not talking can this guy mm -hmm. be wide receiver two star. I mean, that, those jobs are all taken. We're talking about who's going to be the sixth dude that comes in when three other guys are injured, and that's when we start talking about like Albert Wilson. Which I'm curious to know if he's done anything of, of interest, but. Mm -hmm. Right. It seems like the coaches are a lot higher on him than you, because I'm not as high on him. I think I cut him in my 53-man prediction, but it seems like the coaches are a lot higher on him. They're giving him the most run. They they speak really highly of him. Yeah, you know, he was the the number one punt return guy, for instance, yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was it was him, it was Naylor, and it was uh, Thomas Hennigan, who is on this roster, number 89. Um, but Wilson, I think is kind of the DD Westbrook of this team. Right. And they actually worked out Westbrook before deciding on yeah. Wilson. And I could see this staff formulating the opinion that, okay, if someone gets hurt, we don't want to have to trust a second year receiver in Mir Smith Marset. We would rather trust someone who has seven years of NFL experience. And this Vikings team in the past has never cultivated a whole lot of meaningful depth behind their top couple of guys. And, and Albert Wilson might kind of raise the floor for that. So mm -hmm. if you want to keep Wilson, who has punt return capability, 
um, as your fifth receiver, I think that makes sense too. So that would put Johnson squarely on the bubble. Um, is he probably a little better than most of your other wide receiver six options? Yes. But are there other wide receiver six options that have team control and years left and, and upside that BC Johnson just simply doesn't at this stage? Um, you know, I, I think that's very much a coin flip when you're constructing your 53s. Gotcha. All right, let's flip to the the other side here. So we have now seen the first glimpses that we can of the Ed Donatel 3-4, the Fangio-style defense. I've been talking about it at tons of length on this show. Um, obviously, you know, you can't give away too much, but what can you tell us about what to expect to look like? What should we not be surprised by that's going to look a little different in terms of Daniel Hunter's role or Eric Hendricks's role or what's Jordan Hicks doing? Give me the highest level broad strokes of what I can expect to see when I find my way to camp. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of play tricks with the eye when you don't kind of look down and you see Everson and Daniel hand in dirt and like a big, mm-hmm. you know, the Armin Watts next to Linval Joseph. Like it, it does, it, it makes you kind of do a double take when you see so many guys standing up and there's so much commotion at that second level. Um, I am going to be honest though. I think there's certainly a, a level. I don't want to, I don't know if I call it paranoia, but I would say secrecy in this coaching staff where they are not going to unveil really a lot of what they're going to be running until they get into like late August and September. They're not going to let mm-hmm. us see a lot of that. So I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Lewis scene packages. I mean, I, I think we're expecting that. I haven't seen like creative ways to get him involved. He's been pretty much a, a second team guy. Um, Just I'm the still, safety. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're not, they're not putting him in Shannon Sullivan's spot and having him blitz from the nickel yet. They might be on days when we're not there, but they haven't shown us anything, anything too ridiculous. All right, Sam. Hey, thank you so much. Um, real quick, let people know where they can find uh, locked on Minnesota sports and all that. And uh, everything else you want to you want to plug? You bet. Um, we've got two full time shows right now: the Ron Johnson Show, former Gopher, former NFL receiver Ron Johnson. I'm producing that, and that drops Monday through Friday, half an hour show. He gets great guests on there from the football world, and then Reggie Wilson, the Care uh, Eleven Sports Director, teamed up with Luke Inman, who's made a triumphant return to sports media. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're paired up daily as well, doing a half hour show, hitting on all of the latest in uh, Minnesota sports, but in this kind of abyss time where all we have is really the, the the twins to talk about as they struggle against the Yankees. Uh, there's plenty of football talk happening in the summer. So check those out on YouTube, Locked on Sports Minnesota. You can also get them via podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, plenty more to come. There's some stuff in the works, some irons in the fire. So uh, keep an eye, an eye out on all that. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. Luke, it was a pleasure. Let's do this again, my friend. Absolutely. That was a super cool talk. There's some stuff I want to debrief about and and talk to you about that we talked about with Sam. Um, But first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar comes in a whole bunch of delicious flavors. You've been hearing me say that for years. And of course, it remains true. All covered in 100% chocolate. And they rule. And they're low calorie. And they're low sugar. And they're high in protein because they're all made with collagen protein. And now their newest degenerate flavor 
is caramel brownie. Have you ever had a brownie with like a layer of caramel on it? That heavenly, heavenly thing that you absolutely cannot have because you're trying to be good? Now you can have it. Now you can indulge in the sickest fantasy your stomach has with Bill Bar's caramel brownie. And it's just as low calorie, low sugar, and high in protein as everything else at Bill Bar, covered in 100% chocolate. A guilt-free treat that can trick your little lizard brain into thinking you are totally cheating. But it's not a cheat day. It's just a Built Bar day. That is Built.com. You can find anything you want, whether it's caramel brownie or any other flavors. You can go to Built.com, enter promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word, to get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. So there's a couple of things that Sam mentioned to me there. And in the, that conversation was recorded a little earlier today. And throughout the day, I've kind of thought about more, and I wanted to share some thoughts, especially with... Um, B.C. Johnson, who is seems to be the de facto wide receiver for him. I, I kind of agree with Sam in terms of like, is this guy really like bet? Like, should they really be keeping him over somebody with a little more upside, somebody a little younger, somebody with more team control? That's a big one um, that, you know, some like if they roster B.C. Johnson and they cut Jalen Naylor, is that wise? And here's, I guess, where I fall on that. Um, the idea of, of team control, I think, is really the kicker there. B.C. Johnson has one year left on his contract. Jalen Naylor has four. So if you do keep B.C. Johnson, you basically are letting him walk in free agency or you're extending him and you got to figure out the cap implications. With Jalen Naylor, you keep him around and um, he's just under contract for four years. You don't have to think about it, which I get. But let's really chase the rabbit on those. Let's really take those scenarios to their logical terminus, right? If B.C. Johnson gets rostered, he plays one year. Now you have the option to re-sign him or don't. He'll probably garner some price. It's not going to be like a market rate, you know, 20 million, like what Cooper Cup just got for B.C. Johnson. It'll probably be something like a million or two or a vetman or something, one-year deal if he can't find it, purchase anywhere else. Um, that is that. And to me, that's pretty small potatoes when it comes to the cap. And I don't usually think you should like construct your 53 man roster around possible nickel and dimes two off seasons from now, you know, um, just keep the best players. Right. So if, if BC Johnson is truly better than Jalen Naylor in, and I'm not even saying this is the, the decision and it doesn't even sound like it is, but bear with me. If he's better than Jalen Naylor, and then you don't keep him because you don't have control of him and you keep Naylor instead, I think you're probably undermining yourself because in the opposite world, the world where let's say BC is better than Jalen Naylor, perfectly reasonable prediction, and you cut Jalen Naylor, let's say he's just not a top six wide receiver on the team. Um, that's perfectly a normal thing that happens to six round guys all the time. He probably ends up on the practice squad, right? A, a draft pick in the sixth or seventh round, unless some other team was uber high on him. But if they were uber high on him, they probably wouldn't have let him slip to the sixth round. Um, he's going to go to waivers, and a, another team would have to think that Jalen Naylor is better than somebody they just decided to put on their 53-man roster. This ain't a flyer. This isn't, you know, bringing a camp body. The camp's over, and they would have to cut someone they just rostered to bring in Jalen Naylor. It happens, but it happens a lot less rarely than, than we think, especially with draft picks. Most of the time, a draft pick, a late draft pick that doesn't make the team, ends up on the practice squad. So he would be on the practice squad. Let's say Jalen Naylor's on the practice squad for a year. B.C. Johnson plays out his year, and let's say he walks. Um, now you have Jalen Naylor come back for a second camp to try to make the team again. This is a fine dynamic. I don't really, I guess I don't understand the problem with that. Um, and if he's good enough to make the team and he makes the team in his second year, 
I guess the problem is that now you only have him under contract for like one year or whatever, um, or whatever you signed him to to the practice squad, right? He probably then leaves because you've now cut his rookie contract. His rookie contract's ripped up, and you've cut it, and he's on basically free agent contract, and he's going one-year deals all the time. That seems fine to me, unless Jalen Naylor turns into the second coming or whatever. And at that young age, for the first like two or three years, there's still a lot of control, whether you cut him or not, um, because the real veteran minimum and the, the, the real like, this guy's going to cost money part doesn't really kick in until after three years, um, until after they've like accrued a few seasons. So I don't really think that that needs to be a consideration if I were running things, right? Um, if you cede all your team control of Jalen Naylor because he wasn't better than BC Johnson, what are you really missing out on? But really, I also want to talk a little bit about Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond is, if he's getting outplayed by Sean Mannion, that really sucks. Um, obviously, I don't think they're evaluating. Like Sam said, I don't think they're evaluating right now. So this is not, he's fallen behind. And if he's taking second team rep, he took some second team reps in OTAs, it probably tells me they're going to continue that competition unless it was the difference was so staggering that they don't even feel like they need to give reps to it anymore, which would be surprising. So that's probably that. I think in an ideal world, Kellen Mond can play at, you know, a Marcus Mariota level. That would be so sick. And then suddenly you have a guy with a little bit of scrambling ability with a ton of arm talent that if he can play at a backup quality level becomes a really interesting foil if Kirk Cousins goes down and then suddenly you have this totally different play style the defense hasn't prepared for. I would love that. But if Kellen Mond is still learning and what what sticks in my head and I like this actually is Kevin O'Connell was asked about Mond a few days ago and he said, you know, he's working on his fundamentals. And that's what I thought Kellen Mond needed so bad in 2021. Now, he didn't get that. You could blame COVID or, you know, he lost all that weight with COVID. You could blame Zimmer for, like, not attending to blah, blah, blah. But, look, when you're in the season, you're not working with a third-string quarterback. You're preparing for the Falcons or whatever. Like, you're trying to get ready for the next game. Um, so I don't really mind Mike Zimmer not paying personal close attention to Kellen Mond, the third string quarterback in the middle of a season. I don't think I would want, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell to go pay special attention to Nate Stanley in the middle of November when they're trying to figure out how to win on Thanksgiving. Like, no, that's fine. Um, it sucks that Mond didn't get that attention, but the reasons for that are pretty understandable. And if he can now get that attention that he needed, you know, stay healthy, stay in the game, work on those fundamentals, get into that developmental arc, you might be able to have something, but we just can't expect instant gratification. And then that's, I think, where we're at. And until Kellen Mond is to a point where you can trust him on the field, Right now, if he trots out on that field, he's going to call the wrong play. You're going to have miscommunications. He's going to throw a ton of interceptions. We've seen games like that. We've seen Nathan Peterman five interception disasters. We've seen people go out there not knowing what they're supposed to do. Jordan Love got shut out last year. He wasn't ready to play yet. We've seen this go bad. You thought that Sean Mannion game was bad, and it could have been so much worse, I think, if if somebody, if somebody if Kellen Mond truly was in the state that he was in that December underweight, not ready to play, unfamiliar with the playbook, reads are slow and stuff. If he had to play that whole game, I truly think it, it could have been one of the great disasters in Minnesota Vikings history. Um, Sean Mannion was just kind of like, eh, not that good. And it was like, that's it. And it's like, forgettably bad is so much better than remember than memorably bad. <laughs> um, so that's, I guess, where I'll, I'll leave that. But I want, I want people to have patience with Kellen Mond, you know? I, I'm not going to say, like, Kellen Mond will never work out. 
That would be an insane thing to say. He totally could. And if he's working his fundamentals right and in the way that I thought he needed to pre-draft, then that is awesome. That's exactly what he needs. I'm super into that. But we got to give him the time. That is not, Rome was not built in a day. And we got to give him the time. And we can't just demand that they put the guy in before he's ready, torpedoing all of the work that he's done before. The guy needs to be ready to play. And if he's not, he's not. And there's a whole rookie contract to get him ready, right? And maybe you have a backup on the other end of it. Um, tomorrow, I am going to have one of the historical conversations that is probably the most popular in Minnesota. We're going to talk about Jim Marshall's Hall of Fame bid. Um, so I'll see you tomorrow with that. Um, go check out the Locked On NFL podcast. In the meantime, and as always, skull.